0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome home. And if you are online right now, I just want to say welcome home. Or if you're in our family room today, we are so glad that you could be here together. We are going to be jumping into the book of Nehemiah. So if you need a Bible, we want you to uh, go ahead and pull those out wherever you might be, whether you are at home or you get it on your digital device. One of our ushers will be more than happy to get you one. And uh, wherever you're at, it's so exciting to have you here today because some of you have braved a whole new world. That's right. Some of you are parents and you are now doing homeschool for the first time in your life. Yes, this is an exciting time for everybody. I know I'm one of those parents. My mom, my mom and dad have been helping us out uh, a lot. And uh, in, in that regards, I'm with my wife and I, because uh, we both are working and, and it's, it's tough. It's challenging. It's, but at the same time, at the same time, I've discovered, well, my kids have discovered that they're, well, my, my son told me this week, he said that my dad, I have an enemy. I'm like, who's your, who's your enemy? And he says, my teacher. Teacher is my enemy. How, how, how could your teacher be your enemy? She gives me homework. And lots of it. You know, to be quite honest with you, I have to agree, uh, because I have to do the homework with him now, and it's uh, so challenging to be right there with him. But, but really, you know, a lot of times I think we think that the enemy is our could be a teacher, the enemy could be our our neighbor. Sometimes I know some of you are thinking the enemy is sleeping right next to me, (laughs) my spouse, and uh, or we think it's our children for that matter. We we have a lot of enemies that we want to say is our real enemy. But our enemy, and we need to know this today as we begin uh, this morning, as we begin to open up the the book of Nehemiah to chapter 6, the enemy is not our teachers. The enemy is not our neighbors. It's not our friends. It's not even our spouses. No, no. No, the enemy, the real enemy at hand and at play is the devil. There There is a devil. In fact, there's three that coincide with our walk with Christ. It's uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I was uh, encouraged this last week as I was uh, greeting people outside. Uh, an, uh, a wonderful lady uh, who attends this church. She handed me this orange card, and uh, she said, "Pastor Joshua, there is. Uh, I want to. I want to encourage you. I want to get this to Pastor John and Pastor Joshua. I want to get this to the two of you because." Uh, you see, the devil would love to say that you are you are impossible. And I don't know if you can see that at home where you're at, but this is what the devil would love to tell you that you're impossible. This is his tactics. It's, it's, it's old hat for him because he's very old-fashioned. And this would be, say, you are impossible. But with Jesus Christ, he flips the script, he changes everything. He likes to tell us that I'm possible. Because greater is he who is in you than the one who is in this world, the Bible would tell us, and we are possible in Jesus Christ that I I can do all things through Him. I am I am able because He is able. And this morning we need to understand something that there is a real enemy and he has some real tactics that we're going to look at together. In fact, I I want to bring something because he's old fashioned. He you th- he thinks he's clever because it's an old hat to him. So. When we're talking old things, I wanted to bring something that might be considered old in its style, old in nature, so that we have a same level playing field. I like to play board games. Our family loves board games, and some old things are like Monopoly. Chess, checkers. Some of you might say Battleship is an old game. But another old game, for that matter, is something that we like to do in our house, in our family quite a bit. We have a big box of them. It's Jenga. 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 Oh yeah, I like Jenga. But we got to we gotta build Jenga up a little bit. Ah, okay, let's make sure we do this right. And today, oh, along with you at home, maybe you're at home right now and you can go pull out your Jenga blocks right now and we can play together um, in this fun way. And I'm going to have this Jenga out here because I want you to understand and know the enemy has a real tactics for us. As we look at something special in the book of Nehemiah chapter 6 today. So would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you so much for your word, your truth, and your life. It is because of you, it is because of what you've done, it's because of who you are, you've given us the ability to do all things through you. And no matter where we are at or where we've been, Father, I ask that you would help us to learn to trust you completely and to see the enemy's plans all along because our enemy is not against flesh and blood. There are real forces of darkness, real forces of wickedness that would love to see us tripped up in our faith and our walk with you, Jesus Christ. And there may be those in this room who do not know you that are checking this thing out Lord, I ask that it would make sense for them to understand what that looks like. Maybe they're just watching online, checking in. They've been scrolling and learning out things. Lord, may they understand and know the truth. And, and, and Father, may, may that truth be revealed, not just here at this church, but Lord, across the street at Radiant, Lord, at CCV down the way, at uh, Cross Church, down, down ways at Palm Valley to uh, Refinery. To churches all throughout this valley, Lord, we ask and pray that your will would be done and, and your will would be glorified in and through your people, no matter where we are at. We love you, Jesus, in your precious, precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Nehemiah chapter six. And if, and if you've been jumping in and you've been, this is, might be your first time checking this out for a while, this is a perfect day because we're going to kind of hit some of the head main characters and, and get to see some of the people that have been trying to destroy something great that that God had set forth in a man named Nehemiah. And we're getting to read Nehemiah's diary. And we're gonna jump right in into chapter six. And let's see some of the, the big characters. Then these guys, these guys have been upset because Nehemiah came in. He's been from the outside. He's he's from uh Babylon. And that day it was Persia. And uh, you would know it as Iraq. And he lived far away, and he, he comes strolling in and and he comes with a, a message, with an edict to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem because they had fallen down and him and his team, they've been, they've been working hard. They're almost done. Yet there were those who had lived there who'd been caught in the weeds and these are their names and they, they kind of got offended by Nehemiah's leadership. And they said, now when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, to Geshem, the Arab and the rest of the enemies... Now, you might remember those guys, we found them in chapter 4, I think in verse verse 9, the rest of the, or verse 7, excuse me, the, the Ammonites and the Ashidites and the termites, I think we said, the different people that have been out there to just kind of mess up what was going on. Well, they heard that they were rebuilding the walls, and it says there in chapter 6, verse 1, that no no breach had remained, although at that time I hadn't, I hadn't set up the doors and the gates yet, but then Sambalat, verse 2, and Geshem sent a message to me saying, Come, let us meet together at Chephraim in the plain of Ono. Ono, oh, here's the message Sambalat and Geshem, they, they're like, Hey, let's, let's bring Nehemiah out from what he's doing and let's take him um, west. Go west, young man. Let's go far. Let's go to the other side of the countryside. If you've ever been to Israel and, and you've seen it, maybe you looked on the map, and maybe you have your your Bibles and you go to that cool map in the back, because I, I would do that when I was a kid, and I'd listen to the pastor up here, and I'd be bored to death, and so I'd go to the back and like just look at the map, and that would get by my time. Today, I hope you're not bored. That's why I brought a game. So we're going to have fun today. So the reality is, like here he's like, I wanted to get you off your game for just a moment, and let's go down like seven miles away from what is modern-day Tel Aviv, which in those days would be Joppa. It's right on the, the corner of uh, the Mediterranean Sea. And let's take you seven miles away from there. And so for, for Nehemiah, oh no, is, if he had a car, he would take him 30 minutes to get there from Jerusalem. But he doesn't have a car. No, he's got a mustang. <laughs> like a horse, maybe, maybe, maybe he could say to his teammate, let's all get in uh, one accord, like a Honda, and, and get all, get all down there, and he's like, this is what Sam Bollett and Geshon wanted to do, want him to leave to go to a plane of, oh, no, and he's like, oh, no, <laughs> oh no, that's where the trouble's going to be. I don't want to go to a place where, oh no, that's, 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 where, that's where trouble's going to be. I'm not going there because it's, it's going to take me a long time to get from where I'm at to someplace else. Because he realizes, look at it says there at the end of verse two, see they were planning to harm me. The enemy always has a plan of attack. So I sent messages to them, verse 3, saying, I'm, going, I'm doing a great work, and you know, I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. The enemy has a plan of attack. There is a tactic of the enemy, and today let's uncover that for all of us today. So if you're online, I hope you're taking notes. You can do stuff. If you're here, if you could highlight, circle, underline verse two, at the end of verse two, I would love for you to say, but they were planning to harm me. This is the enemy's plan of attack, to harm you. And the first attack that you see on the screen is he wants to attack your structure. He desires to attack your structure. And that's why I thought, you know, Jenga is just a perfect, a perfect thing of that. That structure that I'm talking about, he wants him to stop working. He wants him to make a compromise. Like instead of keep going out and to the, doing what he was called to do to rebuild the wall and get everybody galvanized and excited for the finish, the product, Sambalat, Geshem, all the other enemies, the Arabs, the, the bad guys, so to speak, the enemy, let's get you to compromise. How about you just hit timeout, pause. You don't need to lead them right now. You just need to go off site and do something else. Make it some compromises. Has the enemy ever like encouraged you to take some type of compromise as maybe God's been asking you to, to finish what you've started? Now I want to challenge you this morning. Can you finish what God has, has asked you to finish? What he's called you to, to walk through. Maybe you're a young person and you're like, I want to be single for, uh, for a long period of time. But in my singlehood, I want to honor God with, with this life, this body. It's his temple. I want to, want to do everything for him. And so in his word, first Timothy, no first Thessalonians 4 three, this is the will of God. God's will for your life is to be set apart for him. Thus do not have sexual sexual things out outside of marriage. don't don't go there. but you're like, well, but that's cool. that's God that that's for some people. some people that girl's hot. And I just want to make some compromises to that. And so the enemy would say, oh yeah, just just it's okay. So you might make some compromises because you couldn't wait because man, it, you, didn't, you didn't see her in that dress. But maybe that, that wasn't your story. Maybe that hasn't been your story. Maybe you're like someone, I, I, I've waited because God told me to wait. That's cool. That's your story. But hey, your taxes came this year and you had the opportunity to just share a little bit of your taxes, a little untruth, just a little fib because I can make $50 more on my rebate check that's exciting. Good for you. Made some compromises in your faith. God wants you to be honest and truthful to him, but maybe that's okay. Maybe you've struggled with, whoa, that fib was a tough one there. Maybe you struggled with the addictions of alcohol in the past, or some type of drug, some opioid, and you're like, "No, I've I've recovered from that." Your friends have gathered together; it's poker night. We're going to have a good time, and uh, we're gathering. And they they brought some some alcohol to you, and you're like, "Or, or or some cool, you know, whatever thing stimulant to get you excited because they want to take your money off that table and 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 you're you just happen to go there and you're like well what's one what's one drink but you made a commitment a vow to god like i don't want to do that anymore but you're like ah, that's okay compromise here make a little little hole here whoa my hand's shaky i get real shaky i'm nervous because i don't want to knock this off i'm playing against myself a lot of times when we make compromises, we do. We play against ourselves, and, and I've made these holes. And there's so many things that you could, the devil would love to just attack your structure. It could be something you're viewing online, inappropriate. And you know, your wife or your husband doesn't want you to see that, but you do it anyway. You know, your parents have asked you to be obedient, but you're, you're like, well, forget that for the day. I, I think I, I know what's best for me. But what does God know is best for you? And see, there, there's an enemy who's out there constantly. You know, he went four times, heard it time and time again, and, and he had to he had to do something. What I love about Nehemiah. He had to stand firm. Would you say it with me? He had to stand firm four times. In fact, look what it says: a fifth time. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same manner. A Fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Man, this is, now he's going to go public. He's going to take this. This is not a private letter. We're going to bring this to Twitter. We're going to let people know on Instagram and Facebook. We're going to let everybody know in the New York Times and the Jerusalem Post what's going on in the story. The enemy wants to bring an attack, but he wants us to, man, what I love about Nehemiah is that he stands firm. Look at what happens here. Verse 6. wait a minute, that's not true. And you want to defend yourself, but you don't have to defend yourself. God knows, God knows who you are. And sometimes if you don't do it the right way, you start to, uh, uh, again, like your structure, your, this integrity, that's like holes that just want to, let's see what we can find. See what the the areas the devil can just find and just kind of pull out from your life and your structure. Sometimes I think the integrity is, is that, that middle ground, that spot right in the middle. If he can just find a way to just remove something to attack, because then, then he finds you at a weak point. But I love about Nehemiah, look again at verse, uh, verse 8. So says, then I sent a message to him saying, such things as you are saying have not been done though but you are inventing them in your own mind. He says, you're local in La pesa." He says, you're crazy. He says, you're inventing these things. Where are you getting this from? See, the idea is for all of them, we're trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will be done. But now God He says, strengthen my work. So so here's the reality. What is happening? The devil wants to frighten you. The devil wants to scare you. The devil wants to put you in a place where you are are not in a place. You're compromised. You got holes in your structure, holes in your character, holes in your integrity. He wants to try to knock you down. This is the job of the enemy. Every single time, you got to know his tactics. He wants to get you there. And that's why today, we've titled today's message very simply, how do I face my fears? How do I face my fears? Now, I got one simple starting point for you, and I love what Nehemiah does here. Look what he says in verse verse 9. But now, oh God, right at the end, strengthen my hands. Would you read that with me? Three, two, one. Strengthen my hands. Come on, everybody. I didn't hear you at home. I didn't hear you in the other room. Come on, read right three, two, one strengthen my hands. This is our starting point for today. What does he do? He prays. Would you say it with me? He prays. He's a prayer warrior. Praying is is the name of the game. And this is what he does to, to stand firm. If you wanted for a moment, you can hold your Bibles here for a second. We're going to come right back. But this is what he does. He is a guy about standing firm. Go to the right to Ephesians chapter 6 for just a moment. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 is to the back of your, your Bible. You have no idea where it's at. There's a table of contents right there to help you go where you're at. Or if you're on your app, it's towards the end of the New Testament. It's right by Philippians, right after Galatians. It's in between the two in Ephesians chapter six. And, and I, I get the impression if, if Nehemiah was, was learning something, he was learning that it was important for him to stand firm. And I, and I just want to read this with you for just a moment so that we are in this, we are in this together. Whoa, are you guys watching this Jenga table up here? It's about to, it's about to fall down. It's exactly what the enemy wants. But what does Nehemiah do? He wants to, and I want you to say it out loud with me again. I want you to stand firm. Come on, everybody, what? Stand firm. It's good. Verse 10, Paul says this, finally, as he's concluding his cool letter to this this church in Ephesus. Let's say we are Ephesus for a moment. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. In the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God. So that you will be able to, to do what? Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, he says, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because that's the case, he says, take up the full armor, not half, not three quarters, not not one fifth. I want you to take up all of the armor, of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to do what? To stand firm. So therefore, he says again in verse 14, he says, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. He's, he's talking to a Roman. He's talking to maybe a guy who lived in those days. And, and to gird their loin with truth, they would, take, they would take their belt. They would take their belt on them and then would, they would tuck in their shirt and tuck it in. And, and gird, gird up their loin, okay? I know it sounds weird, I know, but th- that's what they called it. They gird up their loin so that they could run, gird up their loin to truth. And, and the truth, by the way, the truth sets you free. The truth is on the belt. The truth is like on, the, it's the core of your body. If you ever know of something about your chest, your, 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 your health, your back, your, your spine, your stomach, if you have a strong core, you're able to do greater things Physically. And so if he's gonna start somewhere, let's start with the core. And some of you out there, whoa, some of you out there spiritually have like a six pack right now. Some of you out there are rocking a keg spiritually and you're not girding your loins with truth. You're girding your loins with, with fear, anxiety, depression. Remember the devil, his enemy, Back in Nehemiah 6, verse 9, he was doing it to to cause discouragement. The devil's about the killer Ds. How can I destroy you? How can I mess you up? How can I put you in a place? And we've got to gird our loins, put on the full armor of God. Start with the truth because it's the truth that will set you free. And he says, therefore, stand firm, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's cover your heart. That's an area of weakness. Protect your heart. Having shod your feet for the preparation for the gospel of peace. Let's put, on, let's put on great shoes so that we can run well with Jesus. That we're walking in peace and not trotting on people with anger or spite or envy or wickedness. But we're walking by faith. In addition to all he says in verse 16, take up the shield of faith with which it you will be able to extinguish the arrows of the evil one. It's not your parents' faith, it cannot be those of your grandparents or your co-workers or your pastor's faith. It's got to be yours. You've got to take up your shield of faith. Sometimes we're pressing more into fear than we are into faith. We got to start feeding our faith instead of feeding our fears. In a day and age in which we live in, COVID is the number one thing that people are talking about. Always, I'm looking at trends, trends. Sometimes every now and then, a political person jumps ahead of COVID on the top 10 ratings. Sometimes every now and then, some YouTube star jumps up on the top. But everybody's talking about, and the name of the game is COVID. It's a real thing. People are physically getting sick. People are physically actually dying. It's a real fear and concern. We can either feed it, Though, or we can feed our faith and rest in the assurance of who God is and do everything with great precautions and great great protection of stuff, but we cannot let us isolate. We cannot separate. The Christian is to infiltrate this world. And if we hide ourselves and not get apart, yesterday I was doing a funeral for a friend of mine who had passed away, who had died because of COVID. And because... Of that situation, their whole family had separated, had not gathered together until yesterday, and they had been a whole month and a half apart. How does that happen in a church when God calls us to gather together with one another? We've got to be, we cannot feed the fears. We've got to learn how to face our fears. And he sets it up. Check it out, verse 17 Take up the helmet of salvation. Don't forget to place the cover your mind. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which we have in our hands with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition of the saints. Did you catch that? What are we doing church? What is it all about? With all prayer. If we've got to be focused in mindset because the devil wants us to compromise, he wants to attack our integrity, he wants to get our game, our eyes off focus and affixated on our fears of, to discouragement that leads to depression, that leads to isolation, that leads to a place that people do the unthinkable and take their own lives. This cannot be the case. And this is what the devil and the enemies are trying to do to Nehemiah. They're trying to create harm. And I love what Winston Churchill once said about this very simple truth. He says, This is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in. Except to convictions of honor and good sense. But hey, never yield to force and never yield to apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Winston Churchill took over the leadership in England at a time when when Hitler and his regime were trying to conquer the world. And he looked at his people who were in the center of it. Bombs hitting their cities night after night. And he looked to the people of England and he said, never, never, never give in. Stand firm against the enemy. Stand firm. You and I as followers of Jesus need To stand firm, even if an open letter goes out about you. What is so funny about this thing? If you want to go back to Nehemiah for a second, Nehemiah chapter six, what I find fascinating is that, you know, Nehemiah has been at the wall this whole time. If Sambalat, Geshem, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashittites, if they all wanted to come, they knew where to find him. He was right there. If you have a problem with somebody, you know where they're at. Why don't you go talk to them, right? Well, that's not what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to, hey, let's let's go meet over here. Let's go get off the, our game. And when if he can't get you there, you know where he's going to get you next? He's going to get you where your friends are at. He's going to attack not your structure, not just your your, your integrity. He's going to attack with with friendships. He's going to attack all of your relationships. Look what it says there in verse ten. When I entered the house of Shema, the son of Dela, son of Mehetzebel, who was confined at home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. And they are coming to kill you at night. Let's put fear, right? Let's put fear. And where is this coming from? This is coming from his friend. His friend's in the house. He's stuck in his home for, we don't know why, but he's there. And he says, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you not at night. So let's, let's go into the temple. Let's go to a place of safety, of, of protection. Let's go to a place where it's going to be okay. And he says, says there in verse um, 11, but I said, should a man like me flee? And could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? No, I, I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to go in. And I wonder, I wonder if a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, he heard from somebody say something very much like this. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's, a trap. it's an actual trap. from his friends, from his own enemies. It's a trap. It's a trap. Your enemies are going to come. Your greatest enemy sometimes is your closest friend. I think that was from Napoleon Bonaparte. Or Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know. One, one of the two. There's a trap coming that is set by your enemies, and he wants to trap you. And if he can get somewhere, somehow, some way to, to oh, for even you to listen to your, your friends for just a moment, if he can get you off your game for just a second, come on, don't not yet, come on, oh yeah, if you can attack your enemies any, any possible way, he will, he will come, and he will come through the sneakiest, sneakiest ways, but what does Jesus say at a time like this? You might remember Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, he would say, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation, See, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And a lot of times you're going to be tempted by the devil. You're going to be tacked in your structure to make compromises. You're going to be tacked your, by your friends. It's going to sound good. You, shouldn't, you should listen to me. I'm your friend instead of listening to what the Lord says. It doesn't really come across that way. That's straightforward, but it's really said in different ways. Because the devil is the father of all lies. And he wants to tell you and tempt you and teach you things that 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 is not even true. So when the devil comes and he tempts you in areas, you need to remember this verse from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that such is common to man. And that God is faithful. Would you say that out loud with me? God is faithful. He is faithful, meaning that he is able who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. See, God God has a way. He has a setup. He has a way of an escape. If there was a fire in this room, you look for the exit signs and you go to a place. If there was a place at home. You know your exit route right away. The devil would love to come and define you by your temptation. Some of you are tempted to lust after things that you shouldn't be lusting after. And you know that, but you believe that's who you are. That's your identity. That's not your identity. The devil would love to make you think that. You need to remember who you are. You see, at this moment, Nehemiah remembered who he was and who he wasn't. Because if he ran into the temple, if he ran into the place, it says in Numbers 18, that anybody who's not a priest, who's not a part of the tribe of Levi, they would be executed if they went into the temple to stay there. It was for not every Jew, it was only for one select Jew, the Levite tribe. And if you went into the, this temple to go and hide out, you were considered an enemy of the state and they had the right to execute you. Boy, wouldn't the devil love to take his stab at the leader of the of the team? Oh, absolutely. But he's like, no, I, I can't do that. And I love what he says, verse 14. He says, remember, oh my God, Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these works of theirs and also Noadiah, the, the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. I love it. He just reverts it back to prayer. He's like, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be tempted. I'm not going to go to this place. But sometimes, man, we just go right there. We just want to be, we want to listen to the lies. We want to listen to the falsehoods. We like the devil to attack our structure at every little spot. And we feel, oh, I wanted one more. Wanted us to make us feel like, like we're defeated, like we're lost at all. But that's not the that's the enemy's tactics. But you've got to remember. I love what Nehemiah it was all about. He remembered God's word. He remembered his identity. He remembered his purpose. And and look what it says there in verse 15. You should not forget verse 15. Highlight, circle, underline it. Mark it in your Bibles. So the wall was completed. Would you say it with me? The wall was completed. Oh, so good. On the 25th of the month of Elu in 52 days. So good. The wall was completed. It was finished. And you might feel like this that you see right here for a moment. There are days I know that you feel like you've been defeated and your mind wasn't in the game 100% of the time, and you had felt like you've lost it. But do you know something, follower of Christ, Jesus follower? There is something that you've got to remember and hold on to. It tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Look with me on the screen. In Jesus, we have been made complete. In Jesus Christ, we have been made new. All things have been forgiven. God has, God has rebuilt. God has taken the pieces that you feel like are have been destroyed. And he's taken his time to pick every little piece back up in your life. And you know what's neat? He doesn't just use it by himself. Hey, Crystal, come here for a second. Sometimes he he uses brother and sister Coleman, come here for a moment. There's two Alex's, so I want to make be clear. Eric, come here for a second. He takes people to help rebuild. But you're not alone. He gathers a community, brothers and sisters, to, to build and pick up all the pieces because he wants to remind you that in Jesus, I have been made complete, that I am loved that Nehemiah just didn't build this wall by himself. He built it with one another. He said, let's do this together. Come on. And the enemy from all different places are gonna to try to destroy the very nature of, and the, the thoughts of who you are. And he wants to, to take you, destroy you and, and tear you down. But no, in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, you've got to remember that I am complete. I have made whole. I am new. I am new in him. And if you have not known Jesus Christ before, this is the picture that you need to desire and want. This is the love that God has for you. He, he in him, your life might feel like it's all over a place, it's a mess, but in Christ, he has made all things new. And Jesus, follower, Christian, today, listen, if you're at home, do not forget God loves you, and in him, you are made complete. You have been forgiven. And we need to walk in that. Remember that and believe that. Stop listening to the enemy. Because he wants to make you fall. But remember who you are in Jesus Christ. How do you face your fears? We'll show you one more time the starting point. And this is where it begins. Pray. So right now, for just a moment, I want to spend this time with you at home, maybe in the other room, right here in this room, we need to pray. We need to pray and ask God to just help us calm and restore our fears. Remind us of who we are in Him. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we come before you this day, this time, and this place, And we need to remember what Nehemiah remembered, what he learned so long ago, that he had to stand firm against the schemes of the devil because they are ruthless and awful. And they can cause so much distraction and so much pain and suffering when we begin to believe in, because I made a compromise here my integrity is destroyed or my friends told me this and i began to believe the, the lies that are not even true but you know you know who i am you know you know everything about me you know the hairs on my head to the ideas that i'm thinking to the dreams that i have and father i ask today that you would never let us forget our identity, our purpose, because now we are a chosen race. We are that royal priesthood that can come into the temple, that can come into your presence, that can be about the things that you're about. Lord Jesus, I ask and pray right now that you would just move our fears, our faults, our failures, and you replace that, Lord, with your promises. You would replace that, Lord, with your love that it would just wash over our minds. It would wash over our hearts. It would wash over our hands and our feet so that we can do the things that you are calling us to do. That we would not be frozen because of fear, but we would be faithful because of your love. Because of who we are in you, Jesus. May we do something together that builds up one another instead of tears people down. And Lord, maybe there are someone in this room right now that have never even received that freedom, that forgiveness, that acceptance that comes through you. With your heads bowed, and maybe you have the, the, the privilege just closing your eyes for just a moment, I want to invite you into something that can change your life forever, that can restore new beginnings for you, that can help you grow in, to get through today, to prepare for tomorrow, and that is by receiving the gift of forgiveness called grace by Jesus Christ. He loves you right where you're at. He died on a cross for your sins, but he just didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. And because he lives, he loves to live and change things. And he would love to change you, to transform you. He'd love to give you hope, purpose, to give you an identity. And if that is you today, if you want to receive Jesus Christ in your life, would you just say this prayer with me and say, dear God, I need you today. I know you love me. I know you have forgiven me because you died on a cross for my sins. I believe you you rose from the grave and because you live, I want to I give my life to you. Lord, I want to receive this gift of forgiveness that you call grace right now. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and accepting me just as I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.